welcome back, everybody. Uh, <laughs> so, last week we put out an episode talking about how great it is that we have baseball back. And apparently, we spoke too soon. Scott, we recorded that episode on Sunday and released it on Monday, Monday morning. And by uh, early afternoon, I would say, I mean, it probably broke on Monday morning as well, but we find out that the Miami Marlins have, at the time, 14 positive tests of COVID-19. And they Mm -hmm. had to stop playing. Uh, I think they canceled a couple of games between, I think it was Miami and the Orioles, and then uh, the Phillies and the Yankees. Or maybe it was the... Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I mean, basically Miami knew that we were going to talk up how great it was, sports being back, and they decided to uh, ruin our fun. And as of Friday, it was up to 21 players and staff members that have tested positive. Uh, the reports that are coming out now from Major League Baseball's head office there that uh, their investigation has concluded that the Marlins were playing in Atlanta for uh, they played a couple scrimmage games before the actual season started, and they were at the hotel bar. They went out to uh, restaurants, bars, whatever. We're just being very laps was the uh, the quote in their coronavirus uh, protocols, I guess you'd say. So they they basically just were living like it was a normal road trip. You know, I'm sure there was a little bit of. They were all happy to be out of the house, happy to be back with each other, happy to be on the road, something feeling normal. And they did what they normally do, and then they all got coronavirus, and now baseball's suffering. So the quote from from Manfred is basically saying, uh, that's the commissioner of Major League Baseball, for those who don't know. He's come out and said that if, if MLB teams don't get a lot more strict and, and pay more attention to what they're doing off the field, then they'll have to cancel the 2020 baseball season. And we just started. Well, well, here's the thing, Manfred. You can say, "Oh, well, the the teams need to be more strict." Well, you're the damn commissioner of the league. Why don't you get more strict with it? Figure it out because baseball has a uh, hundred guys test positive at this point. It seems like. I mean, obviously, I'm exaggerating, but right. baseball is having a problem. Basketball went to a bubble system. They've had a couple guys test positive, but for the most part, we haven't seen an outbreak like it's been with with baseball hockey started today so we're recording this on saturday hockey like the qualifiers for the stanley cup playoffs started today they are on a bubble system but they're at in two cities as opposed to one like basketball is haven't really seen an outbreak of of covid there now after a few games we'll see you know i don't again i don't want to jump the gun like we did last week but maybe i don't know just throwing this out there maybe if the league itself and the commissioner had been more strict with how they set up the rules to restart the league, we wouldn't be sitting in this problem. Slash, Miami Marlins are a bunch of a-holes for going out, acting like a bunch of idiots whenever we're all trying to... I mean, I say we. Everybody that's part of support staff and the the people behind the scenes, the young men and women that are working their butts off to provide a living for their families might have that taken away from them because a bunch of idiots went out and decided to go to a, a bar and a restaurant and a club instead of treating this like it is a pandemic and acting like a normal functioning human being and not running around doing stupid things. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure it's happening with other teams. It's just no one's got this widespread, everyone's gotten it, and they were the first. So you're going to be blamed, and it is what it is. Um, I know that there was talks about doing a bubble for baseball. It ended up not coming to fruition. I, th- I think I read somewhere that a lot of that had to do with, yeah, we could do the spring training idea where half the teams go to Arizona, half go to Florida. But the difference is there, there's not enough indoor places to play. And they were worried about the heat because to stagger games and have enough, uh, enough people, uh, enough parks for them to play all the games you'd have to have people playing all day long and it's a lot different in Phoenix and Orlando and Miami and all over Florida as you can imagine in March than it is right now. So when they're normally doing spring training it's nowhere near as hot. So I get that maybe a bubble doesn't work for baseball with how big the teams are, how big the travel parties are. They're allowing them to have, you know, bigger rosters because there's no minor league baseball and you might need to sub guys in and out for stuff. Um I know the Braves had a couple guys for their first series that went down last minute, two catchers 
because they had symptoms. And I think mm-hmm. they ended up clearing and were fine. But you have to have those emergency guys to pull up. So I get it. There might not be a, enough space anywhere um, to do a bubble like that. But then you've got to be strict. And we, we've we yet to see if it's going to work. But, you know, at least the NFL, they've got um, – They've got a system in place where, I mean, they're not bubbling, you know, and, and it's going to be riskier than what the NBA is doing and, and Major League Soccer's done and, and hockey's perhaps doing. You know, it's just starting back, so we'll see how it works. But with what's going on with the NFL, I mean, everyone's carrying around a device that, you know, sends a ping. The way I understand it is it, it tracks where you are. It tracks what other uh, device that someone else is wearing, what's close to you. And if you do test positive, because they are testing all the time, um, those guys are, I know, sick of getting their brains felt up by a Q-tip. But once you test positive, they go back and they immediately can do contact tracing because they can tell who you were close to, you know, within how much time frame and when. So it's like, okay, well, he tests positive on Monday. He probably had symptoms as early as Friday or what have you, uh, who was he close to this weekend for more than 20 seconds within six feet of? And they could pull that up immediately. So I think stuff like that, maybe baseball's got it. We just haven't heard about it. But it seems like if you really want to keep your season going and you really want to have sports, not normal, obviously, no fans. And and for baseball, it's shortened season. But if you want to be able to play, you've got to take some precautions and you've got to be very intentional about your protocols and i don't know that we've seen that from baseball just yet we haven't and you know we don't necessarily have all the information and we don't like you said we don't know if there are you know the those contact tracing things that that the nfl has going right now for for the other leagues and you know that that's a phenomenal idea and we'll we'll see how it works you know in practice in terms of when guys if guys test positive what the the protocol is so if you're you know in contact with a handful of people are those people immediately quarantined or do they just do extra testing on them you know you know what's what's the the protocol for that so that'll that'll be something we have to look into but for baseball it's just and again i don't want to sound selfish or act like oh my god you're ruining sports for us because that's that's not what this is now it's nice to have sports back and you know we talked about this a little bit last week but it's just it just comes down to common courtesy almost you know you should want to take care of yourself and not put anybody else around you at risk and by going out and doing the things that these reports are coming out that are saying that these these guys were doing you're just it, it's an act of selfishness in my opinion and yeah i just well, think yeah i mean go ahead well, I just think it's I think it's a wake up call for a lot of people too. You know, I think for a lot of people it's felt like kind of like uh you know, uh you drive a car every day, you don't get in a car crash, but it's very possible. You know, it's not gonna happen to me. And I'll admit that I've felt that way. I've I've worn my mask, I've done what I'm supposed to do because I'm trying to protect, you know, my job, fall sports. You know, I, if I, in my position as an equipment manager, if I get it and I don't know that I've got it, if I'm asymptomatic or if I just don't show symptoms for a few days or what have you, I could give it to everyone in my department. I'm handling all the laundry right now is a big time with boxes coming in. I'm handling everyone's clothes. I'm trying to be very cautious, but I'll admit I never really thought about, yeah, I could, I'll probably get this soon. And I'm in a place where it's exploding. I mean, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. But I still felt that way because no one I knew has really gotten it. My sister-in-law had it briefly, but she was pretty much asymptomatic. It, it was very minor, I think. Uh, but now I've got two more close friends who one just got over it and one's going through it right now. So it's one of those things where, wow, this is, you know, it's real. And now you see 21 players with the Marlins get it. I guarantee it's a wake-up call for those guys. They probably thought, well, we've been hanging out. We've been doing stuff. We keep testing negative. What's wrong with going to a hotel bar? We're already at the hotel. Let's just go sit around the bar. But And that's not to blame the bar or anything, but that's where you're taking an unnecessary risk. And, and while we all want those comforts and those familiarities of what we used to do, we're not there yet. It's still everywhere, and it's trending up. So you've really got to be careful. Exactly. And to, you know, put it into perspective for equipment managers and other support staff, you're, you're looking at 
people trying to pay their bills and take care of their family and just do the normal things that they do on a regular basis for their their livelihood and yeah. i'm not trying to say oh well it was just the players being selfish i guarantee you that there was staff there, for sure there was support staff going out doing the same thing because what do we do on road games especially equipment managers we like to have a good time because it is the only time where we really get to have a good time and after we get to the you know hypothetically we're on a road game you get you know part of your your locker room set up you get everybody squared away and and all the things unpacked that you need unpacked that night before the game is your time to unwind and it is about the only time you get to unwind because then you're full go for 15 18 hours on a game day i I mean you're you're not slowing down at all so I, i i get it i understand that but it's just it's frustrating to see because they could have gone the league itself major league baseball could have gone about it a better way and they're at a risk right now because i mean a bunch of cardinals are uh, getting tested positive right now as well so yeah where's you know there's no end in sight and they are truly risking shutting down this league within two weeks of it starting back up and that's just freaking insanity yeah which brings us into you know the other side of the coin for for more of us specifically, but also a lot of our listeners with college sports. And what does that mean for college sports? And, you know, most uh, the ACC and SEC have come out with schedules now that are conference only. We can argue whether or not that really makes sense. Um, but I think it's good intentions, I guess. But most teams are moving their schedules back, you know, middle to end of September is when they're going to start because it's only going to be conference. And most of those first few games in September are not conference games, you know, they're, they're your warm-up games, your big college football kickoff games, all that stuff. So with that being the case now, what happens um, when people come back to campus here in a few weeks and uh, you have an outbreak on your, your football team? Do you cease practices? Do you consider, should we even play in, in you know, a few weeks? If you have, you know, this was the Miami Marlins, if it's the Miami Hurricanes football team, just not trying to pick on anybody. But if it's them and they get an outbreak around, you know, the first week of September, do they shut down practice? And then if you shut down practice for two weeks, cause you're trying to quarantine everybody and get over it. Well, then you're looking at one week to prepare for a September 26th game. Are you doing that? Are we still having a college football season? Those things are what, and that's just football. I mean, right. Like there's a bunch of sports that are, that are affected by this with fall sports that play a lot more than once a week. So, it comes to to question what are the plans on college campuses? What is the NCAA going to potentially come out with here in three days? Right, we'll be talking a lot about that next week with that August August fourth, uh, I think it is, or fifth, whatever it is, meeting mm-hmm. with the board of governors. What are they going to come out with as their plan? What's going to be the case if if things shut down and will we actually have fall sports? Because right now it seems like they're moving it back, hoping that this goes away. And starts to trend downward, which I think is the right move, right? But it's not. It's not working right now. It's still trending up. It's still getting worse. And we can take the politics and the science out of it because you and I are not interested in talking about that. Uh, we'll we'll get into that on our political podcast we come out with next. But yeah. but whether it's a serious uh, you know pandemic or whether it's all just blown out of proportion does not matter because from a sports standpoint and a college's standpoint, a positive case is just as bad as if it was 100% deadly as if it is 2% deadly. They don't care. A positive case is a positive case, and the bottom line, the goal here, needs to be to limit positive cases. So if we're getting any positive cases, just know it doesn't matter what your personal beliefs are about this virus and how deadly it may or may not be. Positive cases are going to affect sports and college sports tenfold. Well, exactly, and it like like you said, politics aside, science aside, why are we? And I mean, this is the, the question that a lot of people are asking, and why the NCAA Board of Governors has delayed this decision because they're probably in the same boat. But why are we why are we risking it? We talked a little bit about this last week. What makes college athletes special that they get to come back to campus, but the campus in general is shut down and they're only doing online camp uh, classes. Why is it worth risking the lives of these people when they're not even getting paid yeah. <laughs> to, to play a sport? I, and it, um, 
you know, some of the news that came out this week, I think the same day that the ACC released their schedule, the, you know, I, I can't remember the, his name off the top of my head, but a, a starting corner for Virginia Tech. The guy's a projected first-round draft pick. He's a hell of a football player. Yep. He's opting He's opting out. He's like, I'm not playing. Look how many people in the NFL are opting out, and they have a much better system in place to protect the, the student-athlete, or the, the, I say student-athlete, but to protect their athletes. And these guys are like, nope, it's not worth the risk. So a college football player who's going to be around more people with less restrictions and protocols in place, how are they safer? So, you know, again, I don't want to to sound like just this doomsday person all the time. And that's what it seems like every time we, we, we record an episode where I'm like, oh, yeah, let's be positive. And then I come out and I'm just like, the world's <laughs> ending. But I don't blame the guy for not wanting to play. I really don't. He's going to spend... This time, the you know whatever season, if it happens, he's going to spend that time training and getting ready for the the draft or just professional sports in general. Yep. Everybody has good film on the guy. I mean, it's not like it's going to be bad for him. Maybe taking time off will will keep him from getting injured, and he can get bigger and stronger and and truly start preparing for what an NFL season is because it is drastically different than what they experience on the collegiate level so yeah i'm interested to see see how how many more of that happens i don't think he's the last um and uh without giving you know any of this person away or or these people but i do know that at uh one university i was talking to a colleague and at the university they're at there's a fall sport that's not one of the revenue sports it's pretty far down in terms of how much money they bring in and exposure but they had like three or four athletes say we're not coming back classes are probably going to be moved online uh we've been given the option to take classes quote-unquote hybrid right now at that university so they're mostly online they're doing that they're not competing in fall sports and they were seniors and they were just like we're done we don't want to risk it we don't see the point I guess they had the the thought process of like it's not the bright lights and anything anyway. We were just doing it for the love, but it's not worth that. Well, if that's the case, if you're starting to see it there, if if, if high level football players are doing it, I mean that guy's at Virginia Tech. There's a lot of lights on him. Yeah. He's a first round pick. There's a lot to be gained from from playing out your senior season or junior season, whatever he was, and 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 having those bright lights on you one last time at the collegiate level. But he's saying it's not worth it. I'm gonna just wait for the NFL. How many sports are going to have a significant portion of their rosters gone because they're fall sports that maybe aren't as looked at? And they and classes are offered online, and they're like, I don't I don't want to take the risk to to play you know volleyball in front of no fans and and put myself at risk. Well, exactly, and you know obviously this isn't a, a, the best example, but you think about a lot of sports that have a heavy influence of like european student athletes or oh yeah just like foreign exchange students guys and girls that are coming in coming to an american university to play a sport and get an education here are they going to i mean some of them went home some of them didn't go home are they going to come back to go to a school in the u.s where it's getting worse i mean cases aren't going down yeah a lot of from people i've talked to a lot of international students either A, aren't coming back, or B, they're here and they never left, so they can't go back home now. Uh, everybody's like, nah, we don't want yeah. your your American flights coming. Correct. Stop. But I also have talked to some people who've got um, some recruits that are international recruits for like spring sports, who they're not coming, they're not being allowed to come by the university, but they're also just not coming until the spring. They're not coming until January. So... You're talking about they're taking classes online in the fall um, and training on their own, you know, for, for longer. They've probably already been doing it, and then they'll show up in January, and we'll see what shape they're in. Uh, and you'll you'll have spring sports with a bunch of kids who just got to the United States. <laughs> so we'll see. Hopefully, you know, hopefully. But we'll hopefully. see how that works. Yeah, and then I just – I worry about this, the student-athlete. And yeah. who knows – I mean – I have, uh, you know, I had a trip planned to go to North Carolina with, you know, to see some family and we were supposed to be on a plane. There's no way I'm getting on an airplane. I don't care what protocols there are, what safety precautions there are. There are too many idiots out there that I'm going to do my part in 
and try to minimize any risk that I would put on anybody else. But there are, you can't trust the person sitting next to you is the problem. Yep. And I hate to be like that because you want to be able to trust people, but look how many, and this is, this is getting off topic a little bit, but look how many videos and just stories that you hear of people walking into stores and, you know, pitching a fit because somebody says, Hey, can you put a mask on? Like, yeah, I'm sorry. It, it is not a difficult thing to wear a mask. It really isn't. And not at all. Like anybody is well. Oh well, I have a breathing condition. I can't wear a mask because it it makes it worse for me. Really, because people wear masks all the time. You, you're telling me that a, a surgeon wearing a mask for a 12-hour surgery, you, you think that's affecting him or her during that surgery for that 12 hours straight of wearing a mask? Do you think it's really causing them to not get enough oxygen? Because that's not that's not true. Like it's physically not true, scientifically proven. But <laughs> you can't like I, I just. How is it that hard, and why are you being so stubborn? Whether, like you said, politics aside, whether or not you think it's real or not, like why, why be that stubborn? I, yeah. I, just, I don't understand it, but back to I don't to, want that much attention. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I just no, like it, just don't be stupid. Like I, whenever I brought in student managers to to work for me, I generally told them, I was like, guys, I have one rule, and I try to live by this rule myself, where. Now I still make stupid decisions and make stupid mistakes, but you know the one rule is, don't be stupid. If you're if you're going to do something, think to yourself, is this stupid? Will my boss <laughs> think this is stupid? And if the answer is yes, there's there's a good chance that you know you shouldn't do it. So that sounds like you. <laughs> well, I had the same rule with you guys when I was at Georgia Southern. Like, just think to yourself before you do something: is this dumb? And if yeah, it's dumb, we could don't have do it. Story, we could have another story time episode that we wouldn't be able to publish that's full of stupid decisions that you helped me make. <laughs> we're, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> Why don't you just fly private in North Carolina? Yeah, because I'm just making it rain these days. <laughs> you got it like that. Pandemic ain't, ain't stopping Pat. You're, you're a successful podcast host. But yeah, man, I think, I think it's it's uh, it's a good time to take a break. Uh, I do have a question I want to ask you when we get back, and then I'd like to uh, get into a little bit of this SEC-ACC schedule. We've talked about you know whether or not we'll actually get to see it come to fruition, but uh, it's a unique schedule, so hopefully we get to see it, and I'd like to see what will happen here, so we'll get uh, into that after the break. All right, All right everybody, so we're back uh, for the second. Second half of this episode, we want to talk about some ACC SEC football schedules because they've released those already, conference only. But first, I need Pat's help. Patrick, answer this question for me. I've been having a debate with someone very close to me. We'll call her my wife. <laughs> and the uh, the things that you wear on your face, those are masks, right? For this whole pandemic, yeah. there's a different version of that. That's kind of like a turtleneck type thing. It's like the ninja mask you wear for football, but it doesn't go over your head. It covers your face and it goes down on your neck, hangs on your chest a little bit. What are those called? Uh, what gaither gator gaither gators? Yeah. You call them gators? See, I said, hey, just so you know. I ordered an Atlanta Braves gator. It's baseball season. Pumped. I want to try out this gator. And she said, what's a gator? And I said, oh, it's G-A-I-T-E-R. Like, it's the neck thing. She goes, that's yeah. a buff. I said, no. what's a buff? No, so she sends me a website called Buffs, and it's got all these these neck gators. And it's it's so I said, okay, so there's a brand called Buff. And she said, no. And she showed me on REI's website, apparently, if you search gators – it comes up and it's like, here are our neck buffs. So apparently some parts of the country call them buffs, but other parts of the country call them gators. But everyone that I've asked that I know in athletics, I've posed the question the same way and they've said, oh, it's a gator. I've always called it a gator. Uh, you know, it, it comes down to like Midwest and everywhere else in the world minus Texas, or I say in the world, in the U.S., soda and pop. Like it's soda. Yeah. It's not pop. <laughs> Anybody who says it's, pop is a weirdo. It's all Coke. That's what it is. Well, that's Texas. I'll have a Coke. What kind? Uh, give no. me a Dr. Pepper. Like That's no. Georgia because Coca-Cola is king and everything else is a variation of the original OG Coke. No. Yes. I'll have a Coke. What kind of Coke you want? I'll take a 
Mountain Dew. Yeah, that's weird. That's like saying <laughs> buff. I don't think so. Yeah. It's like I'll have a neck buff. No, that's sorry. I, I, I've always called it a gator. I've, uh, yeah, uh, it, it's a gator. So anybody listening that has, uh, some backstory on this neck gator neck buff, uh, debate, let us know, reach out to us on social media. We need to know where this came from, but anyway, we could get right into it now. Now no, time out. I'm right. Time out. Breaking, Whoa. breaking news. Oh, breaking news. Brewers outfielder Lorenzo Cain opts out of the MLB season as the league struggles to contain COVID-19. Which, wow, uh, one. But two, that's interesting because, like, Nick Markakis, who opted out before the season started, just came back. Yep. So, so interesting Markakis said, everybody's getting COVID. Thumbs up. Let's do this. Yep. Leroy Jenkins. Uh, Yeah, so there you go. Virginia Tech's corner and now the brewers outfielder there's been a few nfl players as well but you know it's well i mean it's half not the of, first and won't be the last half of the patriots team has decided to to opt out mostly because bill belichick's pulling the strings and wants to get trevor lawrence because he <laughs> doesn't want cam newton for that long he's he's a mad scientist for sure i mean that's it's hilarious to me that people are saying oh this has to be bill belichick pulling the strings it's like I think it's more the players not wanting to risk getting <laughs> sick and dying. Uh, what, what do I know? But yeah, let's let's get into the seasons a little bit. Uh, you know, the, the ACC has come out and gotten rid of divisions. It is one solid conference and has made Notre Dame a full member. So yep. Notre Dame can now compete for an ACC championship. So if everything goes the way the rest of the football watching world thinks it'll be Notre Dame and Clemson in the ACC championship and well yeah I mean that's in December if I remember correctly from seeing the schedule I think you have it in front of you but the one cool thing I saw uh when they when they released the schedule was they're allowing one out of conference non-conference game that has to be played either as a home game or as an in-state game so yep. we, we had talked about it a little bit last week thinking about what you know, the repercussions were for all of these non-conference rivalry games that happened. So, uh, you know, Clemson, South Carolina could happen now, Florida, Florida State. And uh, it's a good thing. Uh, you know, we don't necessarily know when the games are going to be played yet, but it's looking like a couple home and homes. And, uh, you know, y- you have it in front of you. So if you want to yeah. at least break down the schedule of, you know, one team so, we you know, we can talk a little bit about what it looks like and what that means yeah. for us yeah uh so right now it's saying that the the season will start the week of the september 7th through the 12th it's 11 games over 13 weeks that conference championship you were talking about is either going to be played on the 12th or the 19th of september and they plan on doing it in charlotte there at bank of america stadium so so far fairly normal the sec also said that december 19th uh conference championship so that could affect some bowl games assuming we have bowl games but yeah, like you said, a couple schedules. To me, it is worth noting. It's weird that you talk about Florida, Florida State not being able to happen, but we're gonna have Notre Dame, you know, go to go to Wake Forest. Uh, well, yeah. you know, so. But let's cover Notre Dame because they've never played a full schedule like this. Not that any of these teams have done what they're doing, but the ACC is gonna be tough this year. You got Notre Dame, their home games, right? Clemson, Duke. Florida State, Louisville, Syracuse. So at least you've got, you know, maybe an up-and-coming Louisville still, you know, always tough Duke and a really hard Clemson and Syracuse. Like, you got them at home. Syracuse, then you go, Syracuse about beat Clemson last year, if I remember correctly. Like, they like two years in a row, I think. Yeah. I mean, they're always a team to, to surprise you. Obviously, they play better at home, but they, yeah. they sneak up on guys. Yep. And then going on the road for Notre Dame, Boston College, Georgia Tech, North Carolina, Pitt and Wake Forest, so pretty easy road schedule in the grand scheme of things. If uh, if they live up to their their hype and, and have a good team this year, uh, but yeah, you mentioned um, Clemson, South Carolina, so we'll go to Clemson. Clemson's home schedule is Boston College, Miami, Pitt, Syracuse, and the University of Virginia. While they go on the road against Florida State, Georgia Tech, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest. 
So playing all these teams, there's no rotation like you would normally see on a year where like you won't play these teams, but you will those. It's it's going to mean for these Power Five conferences, I think everyone's schedule just got harder, right? Because you're not having those those tune-up games that that make up you know all all of your other out of conference stuff. So that's where you start hearing things like, well, maybe Clemson won't want to play South Carolina. Maybe Florida State and Florida won't want to play each other because if your schedule just got harder. Why make it worse? You know what I mean? Yes, it's yeah. a rivalry, but if you're Clemson, you can play an in-state Citadel, and that's going to be a lot easier. I mean, Presbyterian, you know, South Carolina State. There's some FCS schools who are dying for a payday right now if we haven't looked up those conferences or off the top of my head. But if they're still having play for those FCS schools, why would Clemson not want to play them instead of South Carolina when their schedule is already so hard right now? Well, South Carolina sucks, but, I mean, that's – <laughs> that's beside the point but, but it's another I mean, it's another power five well ex- exactly i mean think about the nsec schedule right now you're playing in a 10 game sec schedule that is a freaking gauntlet why would they want to add a decent if not good acc team to your schedule if you could add anybody else literally anybody else to your schedule if, as long as you're either playing at home or it's an in-state game right yep there's there's no reason for that i mean you could get I mean, I know this isn't an FCS team, but you could get like Florida International, Florida Atlantic, Central Florida, South Florida in there to play you if you're Florida, as opposed to playing Florida State. Because I think, well, I mean, we don't know what Florida State's going to look like this year, but in my opinion, that Florida State's going to be better than all those schools are just named, right? You're yeah. going to have tougher competition against Florida State than you would those other guys. Also, because it means more to, for Florida State to play Florida, like it's a true rivalry and they're going to give you their best shot. So you're not wrong in, in thinking that those FCS schools could start getting phone calls like, hey, we have an opening. We want to play you guys. One, it's going to help you out in the long run. It's a payday. And two, we don't want to risk losing a football game. So let's play Presbyterian. Yeah. Yeah. And and it gets it gets into that interesting territory where, how do we justify this? But I guess the argument from the conference would be that we could make, you know, certain cleaning procedures and, and precautions mandatory for our conference, but we can't do that if, you know, South Carolina's playing Clemson because we can't tell South Carolina what to do as the ACC commissioner. But yeah, I don't know, but maybe, maybe that's the thought process behind it, but it seems, seems even weirder when we get into the SEC because no, while Notre Dame's out there, I think uh, Texas A&M is, is the big one for me that it's not good in Texas. It's not good in you know Florida or Georgia either. But I think the SEC having a September 26th start date, 10-game schedule, December 19th conference championship game. Um, so another, another weird thing for bowl games. Maybe those get pushed back as well. We'll see. But cover a couple teams. Uh, Texas A&M, like I say, it's, it's weird where you're talking about uh, Clemson and South Carolina is a risk, but Texas A&M is going to have Arkansas, Mississippi, Vanderbilt, and LSU come out to uh, College Station. So some long flights there. And then Texas A&M turns around and plays away games against Mississippi State, Auburn, South Carolina, and Alabama. So they're obviously the furthest out of SEC schools. That's That's still a tough schedule for them. Uh, it's tough to have them on there, but the the other weird one that w- is up in the air for me is is Georgia and um, Florida. Florida playing Kentucky, South Carolina, LSU, and Missouri at home. Uh, then they go to Tennessee, Ole Miss. Georgia is technically an away game, but they play it in Jacksonville every year, and then Vanderbilt. That Jacksonville-Florida neutral site game is is the one that I don't know if it happens. I think this is where you talk about the implications later on. Um, if it's stated that Florida's to be the away team this year, maybe they play it in Athens, mm-hmm. but then they're going to want that return trip the following year. So you could see two years without a neutral site game for that game. And it's, uh, it's always been neutral site. So that would be something that'd be interesting to look at. Yeah. And, and the one thing that I want to know, and at least test the theory on, because if you're getting on a plane and I know the difference is that, there are chartering flights, so it is contained, quote unquote, for who's getting on that plane. It's it's all the people that you're around every day, hypothetically. So 
you're minimizing your risk of exposure with a chartered flight. But are you doing back-to-back road games? And if that's the case, say you're, you know, playing, if you're Texas A&M and you're playing essentially on the East Coast on back-to-back weeks, are you flying out, flying back, flying out, flying back, or are you staying out there? And that has a lot of implications for equipment managers and, and trainers and strength staff because where do these teams go? And the one thing that that is a, is a good example for this, Hawaii. Hawaii, it, it, it is a ridiculously long trip from Hawaii to get to the mainland to play their games when they're baseball or, or football or whatever it is they have going on for their sports. They try to set up their schedules to have multiple games on the mainland and to turn around and have multiple home games so that they're not traveling back and forth so much because that's difficult for the student-athlete to recover from all that travel, right? So are we going to see something similar to that where, like, Notre Dame? Notre Dame's going to have home games in Indiana, but that means every ACC team, because the ACC is essentially an East Coast conference minus Louisville and Notre Dame at this point, what do they do? Are they going to have a couple home game or a couple road games, and are they going to stay on the East Coast, or are they going to fly back and forth every time? I just yeah, and I think that's where you make the argument for eventual. Uh, do we ever see geographic conferences? And we've talked about it on here before, but that's that's the tough part. Where you're Notre Dame, you're going um, you're going to Boston College, so Boston. You're going to Atlanta. You're going to Chapel Hill and Pittsburgh or, you know, whatever. And, uh, but meanwhile, in the same state as you, you've got Ball State, you got Indiana, you got Purdue, um, Indiana State's FCS, so that's not as much of a thing. Uh, but you've got some teams, and that's just in the state of Indiana, which is not known as like a football powerhouse. You start looking at Ohio, you start looking at uh, Texas, like some of these states have, in North Carolina, have a lot of Division One football programs, and... You talk about saving on travel costs. If you can make the TV contracts work, you know you play more big out of conference games. Why would you? Why would you not welcome geographic conferences at that point? Because I'm sure if you talk to a business guy within athletics at at you know UNC where they've got a lot of money, if you told him he didn't have to you know arrange for flights to Notre Dame <laughs> through all of the sports because they're instead going to have App State right down the road is going to be in the conference because things are geographic and take another loss. They're probably going to welcome it. You know I mean? Even, even South Carolina, because you're not going to do state by state. We're not going to have 50 conference, but if you had these mega conferences that are based off of geographics, which let's be honest, they used to be Mm -hmm. um, to an extent, the sec used to really be pretty compact. And then Missouri and and Texas A&M got added in there. and, And that was, Competition, um, trying to better the conference made sense from a business move, but it's 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 not the most geographic thing. I mean, look at the Sun Belt used to have New Mexico State and Idaho. Like these conferences are doing what they have to do to get their brand out there and survive. But if if you had a truly geographic conference, you you'd have a lot less travel cost and maybe when things like this come up, hopefully we don't have these every year, but it's a lot more manageable. That's I just don't see how you could say Florida and Florida State shouldn't be playing a game, but Florida State can go to Notre Dame. I don't remember off the top of my head if that's their schedule, but yeah, no. But it, it, like, how how do you justify saying, oh, well, we're going to stay conference only, but you have to travel, yeah, you know, over from from Florida to Indiana or from you know South Carolina to Indiana? But charter just... being charter, like we said with the Marlins, the the chartered flight to Atlanta from Miami wasn't the issue. The issue was the hotel bar, and that's yeah, you're a college team, and you got coaches that can keep a tighter clamp on the players, and they do bed checks and everything else. But it's it's still shared spaces. Did that hotel properly clean? Is an ops guy for for all these colleges going to get there and electrostatic spray all these hotel rooms before players arrive? I doubt it. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, at, at bigger schools like when I was at Cincinnati, I was on the the advanced team, so it was me. Our uh, at the time, uh, you know, he he worked. I mean, this guy worked like four different jobs. But <laughs> Ryan, I mean, you had Ryan Coslin with us as well, and Greg Bruner. He's now the the head equipment manager at at Cincinnati. But 
at the time he was in charge of recruiting and he also was in charge of video and now he's an equipment manager like the guy the guy does everything at that school it's unbelievable like he he's he's awesome and uh, but the three of us went out early and met the truck at the hotel unloaded what we needed to at the hotel went through organized all the rooms i hopped on the truck and went to the stadium and and started setting up the locker room and those guys stayed behind figured out the meal stuff we had gone and picked up snacks for for the players so like we made a sam's club trip every every game so like you said where do you find time to go through and ensure that all the rooms are are sanitized and clean and and how do you how do you contain it all it, yeah. it, you know is my question do you have to send an extra person with you to to clean everything and i know uh, during our, our interview with Cause, we had talked about this, and we uh, had, I think, the uh, Ebola breakout when I was I was at Cincinnati, and we they had sent an, a trainer down with us, an extra person, to go through and clean all the rooms. And yeah, unfortunately, during that time, some of the rooms ended up having some damage because of how he had cleaned them, and and we ended up having to pay for it. But do they do that again? Do they have to send extra people down to make sure that? everything is clean and sanitary and and you know the the hotel caters we cater the food through the hotel for for the meals do they have to go through extra steps and extra precautions for all of that stuff too does that change how the student athletes eat on the road and you know that that is something that worries me for the staff members cuz i mm-hmm. think that it doubles and triples the amount of work that trainers strength staff, equipment managers, ops guys, and, you know, all of these people that already have a lot going on to get ready for a, a game day and a game in general, I think that puts more stress on their shoulders and, and more responsibilities for them each week. And it gets a lot scarier if things get messed up, right? Yeah, I think there's a lot more um, when you talk about the sanitization process and laundry and are you doing things by the book right now? God forbid anyone on your campus uh, gets gets coronavirus and, you know, they, they are able to do contact tracing and they haven't been around anybody and, and they haven't been doing anything wrong. They're going to blame, you know, what are you doing? How are you doing their laundry? What's the cleaning process? What's the issue here? How did they get this? It's it, Whoever's in charge of that, whether it's the trainers, the equipment guys, they're going to face a lot of scrutiny if anyone gets it on your campus so it's going to be weird times for sure we've got to do everything we can to uh to try to limit the outbreaks but that's that's one thing where there's a lot more pressure and there's a lot more work going into it i'm already seeing it um in my role um i mean just just talking about how some of these athletic facilities are designed man they're not all designed to have one path of traffic flow like a lot of facilities are doing with the arrows on the ground um, to try to keep people from rubbing against each other, moving against the grain kind of thing. And you talk about being an equipment guy and trying to do all that um, with, with a specific traffic flow. It's like, okay, well, how are kids going to pick up their laundry? Because, you know, they're not going to, their coach doesn't want them to walk down some stairs all the way through the building to get to their issue bins. And then their locker rooms on the front side of the building. So then, they're not going to want them to go out the back and turn all the way around. So they just want you to put their laundry in the front of the building in their locker room. And it's like, but they've got these bins here. That's going to cost me so much more time. These are, these are conversations that are happening at, at my university there. I know they're happening at other universities or have already happened. And a lot of places have more athletes back than we do right now. But that's the, that's the weird thing where it's, it's changing how we do things and it's adding work to frankly, people that are already overworked. Yeah, and, and the one the one thing too to take into consideration and it, it doesn't get talked about enough. I had a conversation with a friend of mine who's in the industry, he's an equipment manager, and they're getting ready to get all their student athletes back on campus. Now this this conversation was actually a couple of weeks ago, but he told me that they weren't bringing his intern or assistant back on campus. So they were like, hey, you've got to get ready for everything by yourself and once all these student athletes come back on campus all the laundry is going to have to be run through you so you're gonna just have to deal with it and he was like how does it make sense for you guys to bring all these trainers all these strength conditioning coaches back on campus for quote-unquote player safety but 
the one person who handles all of the apparel, all of the equipment, doesn't get to have all these people back on campus. We need everybody that we can possibly get, essentially all hands on deck, mm-hmm. to make sure that we're taking care of of cleaning and sanitizing, making sure that the laundry's done. If there's, like you said, if you have to go into the locker room and put laundry in each guy's locker every day, you need somebody there to help you do that. That is not something that just happens very, very quickly. It takes time. It's not that it's a difficult thing to do. It is just time consuming. It Yeah. It takes time to do. So I, I think you had talked about, um, you know, maybe off air, you know, not recording, but there were places where they're, you know, not bringing student managers back or they're not allowing student managers on campus. Some guys aren't getting housing on campus because they're mm-hmm. saying like, hey, we're not bringing students back. You can't you can't come live on campus. Not having those extra hands hurts a program. It, yeah. it makes things that much harder because not only do they serve a, a ridiculously important purpose for practices and, and everything else, but in the equipment room alone, they do a lot of the work in terms of making sure the laundry is done, making sure the laundry gets sorted, taking care of small issues where when you're a head equipment manager or even an assistant equipment manager, you might not have time to take care of some of the smaller day-to-day tasks. That's why we have student managers. So I you know, I implore people to 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 look at that side of the things of the the job of what we do because it's not just, you know, doing laundry and throwing it out real quick it it, you know it's a time-consuming process taking care of like you said this time of year we have all of the orders coming in so you're getting pallets of boxes of just every sports stuff and the way some of the things have been happening with you know delayment delays and shipments and just how things are sorted you're getting a bunch of boxes and it could be three sports stuff in one box and it's not all properly marked so you're having to go through every single order form and sort out all of this stuff and that in itself is time consuming but you want to make sure that you got everything you need to make sure that everything gets the embellishment that it needs and the right stuff goes to the right team and not having students to help you sort through that stuff or you know all of your assistants to sort through that stuff slows you down and it makes life a lot more difficult for equipment managers for coaches for student athletes for administrators everybody like top to bottom it is an integral job or an integral part of that machine to have an equipment manager be able to function at his highest level yeah i mean it's it's gonna be really tough uh for me this fall i know it's gonna be tough for a lot of uh other equipment managers out there we are dealing with less staffs we're dealing with um a lot more duties and, you know, I know some of these smaller schools, there's one guy, you know, for sports that are usually in the teens and how many sports they have, you know. So you're talking about one guy for a lot of sports. And it's like, how do you, you know, one guy, how do, how do you service 400 student athletes, you know, for one person? That's not the situation I find myself in, thankfully, but I, I know it exists out there. And, you know, I, it's an overworked profession and, it's just it's one of those things where I think there's going to be a lot of people realize um, when there's a drop in in service at smaller schools um, from the equipment managers, the trainers, when you don't have a lot of them and they're doing the best they can and working a lot of hours. Well, now you just added a lot of time consuming things onto their plate with the sanitizing and, and different laundry procedures and things like that. There's going to be a drop in service. Other things that they've done for you, you as a coach, you're going to ha- have to now do because um, they just don't have the time to do it. And I think there's going to be a realization of how much um, has been done to an extent by by uh, equipment managers and trainers and sports information people and just all these support staffs um, because they've got so much more to do right now. Where you know we're like you said, it's we're all struggling right now. To have all these cleaning procedures thrown at us and to have this weird season thrown at us, um, it's a very bad time because this is also the year that you know your your apparel contract people or your Nike or Adidas or number are struggling to get product out. It takes a lot more time to check stuff and double check stuff and and send the emails of hey we're still missing this and to go back and forth with your rep about. Okay, do you have any shipping information on this? Well, we still need this. Prioritizing. Okay, well, these sports are showing up and are in season, so I need 
this order, this order, this order. Can you work on those first? Like, I'm not so much worried about softball right now. Like, just things like that where it's your coaches aren't going to be happy when their stuff's not here, but, you know, and, and what's here may not be ready exactly when they want it, but you're you're glued to your computer trying to track this stuff down. It's it's all bad timing, you know. So it's it's tough, but that's where there's going to be a lot of, I think, coaches and administrators who have to take a step back this fall and say, oh, gosh, <laughs> that's what your life has been. Yeah, uh, it's just it's yet to be seen. We're, we're going to have to to continue to play it by year. And the one good thing is hopefully with sports coming back, we'll have a lot more to talk about in terms of our our, our podcast and keeping that going. But I'm going to to end end this episode on one final note and you don't have to agree with me or disagree with me on this because you're still in the industry um but i do want to i do want to address this and this is more to get equipment managers thoughts across the country um the shut splash guard shield thing so the extended visor is what i'm going to call it because that's exactly what it is it's an extended visor there's no uh anti-fog on it so it's going to fog up I think having an, an extension to the face mask might cause fogging issues in general. Breathing issues, because how many times, I mean, any equipment manager in the country can talk about when you start camp the first couple of days, guys are complaining about wanting to get their visor taken off because they can't breathe because it's too hot. Well, adding an extra piece of plastic to cover up the rest of the face mask so that the only air coming into the face mask, I, I think that might cause an issue. Now, we don't know until until we see it work. Um, I, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not sitting here trying to bash the product. I know shuts doing everything they can because it was mainly shut. I think Oakley's come out with one and Oakley's has slots in it. It's a little bit vented just so airflow mm-hmm. might be a little bit better. They're trying to do everything they can to make sure that the sport comes back. Right. So yep. I do not knock them for that. And I'm not trying to sit here and bash the product because I don't know how it's going to, to play out with it. I just worry that guys aren't going to be able to breathe in it. And then this is something that has like 10 different little Velcro straps to attach to it. But it's not something that comes off easily. Let's put it that way. Now, is it something that once you put it on, are you saying, listen, we have this on for your safety and for the next guy, the guy that, you know, is across from you safety. So it stays on. Would it not be better? And and tell me what you think about this to buy 150 gators and give gators to guys so that they have something that covers their nose and mouth. They can breathe through it because it's like wearing a mask. And they just wear that. If they want to wear a visor, they can. But that covers up a lot of what we're talking about here. Yeah, I think here's what I'll say. Shut um, and Oakley, for that matter, were asked to come up with something. There was a, a need for a product. They've created it. They've done it. I know people have knocked shuts because it rips. Um, apparently, it's not the most durable thing either. But look, they did it on a short amount of time, and they did it at a cost-effective measure. They could have just made the same hard plastic that's very durable that is the visor. Uh, they could have made those and made them available to where they just fit the opposite direction and they go on the bottom. Um, but it would have been expensive, right? It would have been the same cost of a visor. So what they've done is a very cost-effective measure. So I credit them for that and Oakley for that as well. Um, there are companies that have come out with a, a cloth that goes over the bottom that's you know basically does the same thing. Um, it's just not plastic. It's cloth, whether it Velcros to the to the inside of the face mask or or what have you. But I think the issue is just going to be players are going to complain they can't breathe. You know, just like you said. Um, with uh with guys wanting their visors off there at the beginning of camp look there's a big difference in wearing those ski masks that guys wear in cold weather games there's a big difference in doing that when it's cold and being able to breathe and function and everything else and and doing it in august in louisiana right yeah. it looks like all of lsu's got them on their helmets and their players have been on social media complaining about them i know when the nfl released the oakley uh prototype whatever you want to call it when they revealed it players were like we can't breathe in that i'm not wearing that so p- players are going to complain no matter what right yeah to your to your question about the gators i think it's great as far as it's probably cheaper it's probably easier to to maintain with going on and off and like we said because these are cost effective they may not hold up that well but then 
that's a lot of time on the equipment manager because I think it's actually like 14 or 16 points of connection on those things. A lot of Velcro. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a pain to take on and off if one rips or something, especially if it's in the middle of a game. So that would be better about the Gators. The only thing I th- see with the Gators is if you're truly saying, like, while they're on that field, it needs to be on or they're not safe, guys can pull that down, right? Guys can just pull that down off their mouth, get more breath in, you know, because it, it just, it's, you can't regulate it as much. And uh, where if they've got the thing on the face mask, they can't take that off before the play starts. But the other thing to think about, and that's, I know everyone says, well, I have to wear a mask. You know, the football players should have to wear a mask, like da-da-da-da. When you wear a mask, and this is especially out to you people who are complaining about having to wear a mask, but you want to have your sports back. Um, when you have to wear a mask and you say it's hard for you to breathe, keep in mind, you're not doing that with a mouthpiece in your mouth and your mouth closed. So when football players have a gator that's tight to their face or just this this plastic screen in front of their face that keeps air from flowing in and out, when, when guys have got that right there and their mouth is closed with a mouthpiece and they're just breathing in and out of their nose and, and some of those mouthpieces are are good about letting them breathe in and out of their mouth a little bit now. Um, but it's still restricted, right? When you're doing that, it, it becomes a lot harder to breathe than it already is. And it's just, it's different. Yeah, and you think about it too. I mean, I say, wouldn't it be better to wear a gator, right? What about the guys that want to wear like the pacifier lip guard mouthpieces? They can't. You're not going to wear those. If you have a mouthpiece that you attach to, like with the, the strap to it, that you attach to your... Uh, face mask so that it just hangs from your face mask and you can pull it and put it in your mouth mm-hmm. like wearing a gator isn't a, isn't a, a feasible thing so it comes down to having guys have molded mouthpieces that are detached that they put in pull the gator up so you're asking a lot from the student athlete I just feel like it might be a better option in terms of being able to breathe now like yeah breathing through a cloth will suck yeah but will breathing through a cloth be better than breathing into a plastic shield that covers your entire face? Well, and how do you communicate as a quarterback then at that point too, an offensive lineman? And does it does it muffle that sound that's already hard to, to hear and understand? I mean, yeah, there's not going to be fans there, but, I mean, put a mouthpiece in, folks, and, and, and Try to talk. Try to talk, yeah. You know. I mean, I, I hear myself. I listen – back to our recordings and it sounds like I have a lisp every time I say something with an S and that's just how I hear myself. <laughs> Try talking with a mouthpiece and over your teeth and like feel how it, your, your tongue reacts to that because it shrinks everything down. It shrinks that space in your mouth down and you, uh, everything's muffled. So what, you know, what comes, what comes from all this? I mean, I, I saw something drew Brees. Drew Brees is notorious for licking his fingers 37 times before he's, he, you know, snaps a, a football. He said that he has to try to change the way he's played football his entire life to try to not lick his hands a hundred times because he's worried about the spread of coronavirus. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> it's the funniest thing. Like how many times do you see football players that wear gloves, spit on their gloves, rub their hands together to try and get more, Yeah. Tra- you know, tack on their gloves. Do they have to stop doing that because you catch a football, throw it somebody else, somebody else is touching that football every time. Yeah, I mean, that's weird for the trainers out there. They're having to figure out hydration, right? Like, guys are going to be at practice. They're not, you know, I know a lot of places at least, they're not allowing the pumpers, the big, you know, cows, whatever you call them, that it's got several hoses coming out of it and, and guys all drink from, from it like water fountains. Um you know, you're not supposed to put your mouth on those. Hopefully you're not. If you are and you're an athlete hearing this, stop. Uh, but they're you're, doing away no, I'm with... I'm sorry. If you do that, <laughs> like on the pumper or a water bottle, if you're putting your mouth on it, like you're a freak. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's just weird, bro. But a lot of teams are going to having individualized water bottles, right? Um, great. But now you're talking about coming up with a whole new system of getting hydration to these guys that the trainers are not used to doing and and they've got to reinvent practice and game hydration at that point because you know we've all seen it if you've watched last chance you or a game these guys aren't always thinking about their hydration and the trainers are going up and putting a water bottle in their face and just saying hey open up and they're squirting the water right in for them and 
And sometimes guys ask for it, but sometimes trainers have to remind these guys, well, if it's on them to carry their own water bottle and go over to it between drills or whatever and, and make sure they're getting water, it comes a lot harder for players or trainers, I'm sorry, to make sure that, you know, a hundred players on a football team are all getting their hydration in when they're not giving it to them. Well, how many trainers do you have to have around if they're the ones that are supposed to maintain these water bottles? I mean, you're looking at doubling your training staff and there's already a decent amount on the collegiate level because you have your student trainers and all that, that handle mostly the the water and, and hydration for the, for the student athlete. Do they have to carry around 25 water bottles for, for team drills? I mean, yeah. What are you What are you doing? How are you keeping these water bottles away from each other so they're not all touching each other? Because when you squirt water in somebody's mouth, there's a little bit of splashback, regardless. Yep. Like, how, how do you keep the trainers safe then? <laughs> how do we keep anybody safe these days? Man? I, I mean, and then it comes down to the to the main question: Is it worth starting back if there's this many issues that we're talking about? Yeah, I mean, then that's that's the million dollar question. You know, I mean, that's the, the question that I've, I've posed when people have said, well, we've got to disinfect our footballs. Well, those are a hundred dollar footballs and you rubbing a bunch of a chemical on them is going to dry out the leather. It's not, it's not putting a bunch of disinfectant on a leather football is not going to do well for the football. Right. Especially if you're doing it after every drill, like it's just not going to work. Uh, so then, if we're going to those extremes while these guys are putting, because we're worried about them putting their sweaty hands on the balls, these guys are going to put their sweaty hands on each other, you know? Yeah. I mean, I have, I have two notes on that there. So I saw a video. I mean, it's an older video. I say older, but it's a couple of weeks old. Um, Dana Marquez at, at Auburn. And this mm-hmm. is, this is something that I would love to see every school have. Uh, yeah. They're expensive though. And they're hard they're hard to get. I mean, it's just because they're expensive. But they put all of their footballs and the bags that hold the footballs in their ozone machine, run them on a full cycle, zip the bag up, and actually zip tie the bag shut so that they know at the end of each day that, hey, this bag has been clean and sanitized. This doesn't get opened until the start of the next practice. Yeah. Now, every school would love to be able to do that, and Auburn has a ton of money where they have a lot of footballs that they can run through this stuff, and I mean, how many footballs do you use a season? Like, how many are you ordering a season? Uh, for me, I order around between 120, 140. Yeah. So you brought up Last Chance U. Last Chance U. The last time you know I was watching those episodes, Laney College, he was talking about. Yeah, we went through. You know, what he used to do is like, yeah, we had like six footballs a season. He's like, now, nah, yeah, now we're up at like 24. And I'm like, dude, I I have like 24 footballs out at practice. Like, I have more than 24 footballs out at a single practice at any given time. The last. Time. I don't know off the top of my head right now, but the last coach I worked for, I remember it was 70 per practice. Yeah, so I mean, we like used those most for kicker. Right, yeah. We'd use those for most of the year, and, and we separated some game balls. And, and, you know, we would make 120 uh, work, and it wasn't and bad. Up, we could have easily gone some left over. And, you know, at the mm-hmm. FCS level, you get part of, like, the Wilson right. sponsoring the playoffs. You get six footballs for for the playoffs because that's the only ball you're allowed to use in the playoffs so like if you're a nike team and you use the nike ball when you get to the playoffs you have to use a wilson football which is a pain in the ass because it gives you like a week to break in footballs for a game but that's not the point here what i'm saying is you're going through a lot of footballs and you know what you said like 100 120 footballs some somewhere in that in that range that is something that has to last you an entire season and God forbid you have a rainy season because you're going to go through more footballs. And what happens if you start noticing a third of the way through the season, maybe a quarter of the way through the season, that your footballs are breaking down more because you're having to put this chemical on it and it's breaking down the leather? Are you having to buy more? I mean, it's not like Wilson has. Yeah, it's not like Wilson has an abundance of footballs right now either. You know what I mean? It's it's going to be tough to make a mid-year purchase for a lot of small schools of any magnitude just because of budget cuts. I mean, but yeah, that's I mean, I, I don't I mean, I, we could keep talking about this for for another hour and 15 minutes or whatever it is that we've been going so far. But, you know, I, I think this is a good stopping point. Um, the one thing I will say, I want to, you know, hear from from the the equipment managers out there, the people that listen what are you guys what are your protocols for 
for cleaning and sanitizing your your equipment? I mean, what are you doing to helmets each day after practice, or are you planning on you know sanitizing all these things? Do you have to wipe down these these splash guards and visors every day to make sure that there's nothing residual staying on these helmets for these for these student athletes and how are you treating your footballs and just other field equipment i mean i know look think about hitting a sled guys sweat all over a sled the little tackle donuts are you having to sanitize all of your field equipment every single day too so let us know what your guys protocols are what you guys are doing um and you know if there's something that you guys want to want to hear us talk about let us know uh, you know, we wanna we wanna keep this thing going and and be able to provide news and updates and and maybe some procedures that that you're that you're doing that we hadn't thought about. So reach out, talk to us, let us know what you guys think of the podcast as well, and hopefully we'll have some better news next week. And hockey hockey will keep going. I'm excited about that. So you're you're the one, bro. <laughs> yep. Well, hopefully we have a baseball season because it's uh, much better than hockey, and um, we'll see what happens. But yeah, Pat, I don't, I don't really have anything else. Hopefully, we've got uh, plenty to talk about next week with with this August fourth meeting, and you know, I know a lot of conferences are are planning on meeting uh, right after that as well to make their decisions based off what decisions are made on the fourth. So, should be a very heavy uh, update to fall sports episode next week. God, I hope so. Yep, be nice to, to have some, some concrete answers for sure. All right, well, guys, that's going to do it for us. Uh, like I said, if you have anything, reach out, Podcast at Gmail, or hit us up on Twitter at Podcast. Otherwise, we will talk to you guys next week. Adios. See you.